You're listening to the Personal Development Through Martial Arts podcast, the podcast where the world's highest personal development experts and martial arts masters come together to empower and inspire you to become your strongest self and live the life that you truly want. Join host Bogdan Rosho, author, public speaker, and the founder of the first personal development through martial arts school in the world, in the podcast where you become the hero. My next guest is the host of the Brainy Business Podcast. She has dedicated her career to answering the question of what drives behavior. She works with companies and entrepreneurs to find the small changes that can make a big difference in product programs, pricing, change initiatives, branding, internal communication, and marketing messages to increase engagement and return on investment. You know, this was a fun interview. We talked about how the brain works, what you can do about it to level up your life, and how to ask better questions to just get better results. So without further ado, please help me welcome Melina Palmer. We're here with uh, Melina Palmer, and uh, I'm very, very excited because we're going to be talking about behavioral economics, what that is, and how that can boost your business and especially your life. Melina, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome, awesome. So, I actually um, got in touch with you because I asked somebody on a Facebook group, on a business Facebook group, I asked them, like, guys, what are the podcasts that you guys listen to and you'd like me to uh, get in touch with? And somebody actually recommended your podcast, The Brainy Business uh, Podcast, right? How did that, how did that come about? Uh, the, well, the podcast came about because I realized when I started my master's in behavioral economics that there was this huge gap where for me, I saw all the business applications and how it mattered for messaging and for marketing, branding, and business in general. And when I got into the field, realizing because it's so new, it was still very, very academic. So you have a lot of research that says, this is how the brain works. And then it just sort of stops. It doesn't say, this is how you can use that information. Here's a way to apply mm-hmm. that. And so as I was working on my master's, I saw, like I said, this huge gap that it became very obvious that instead of being what I thought that I would be really one of many, I realized that I could really be the first and help people to understand what behavioral economics is. And the podcast was the best route to get there. And I love that so much because I, I can resonate to that a lot, actually. In my case, it was martial arts that um, you know, gave me so much, but people did not really translate the concepts in martial art to day-to-day life. Like, how can you get um, a promotion? How can you improve your relationship? How can you build a business by using these concepts? Like, martial arts is great for willpower, but nobody actually really teaches you exactly how to use those concepts. Just like you said, you know, you have these uh, amazing papers on how the brain works, but so what, right? How 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 am I paying the rent this, uh, uh, this month? Or how am I leveling up my business to, you know, to what I want, to my, to my goal? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I love when people are able to take something that 
no, either nobody else saw or those connections yeah. you're, you're able to bring through. There's a really great book called A More Beautiful Question that I absolutely love. It's by Warren Berger. And in it, he talks about something called combinatorial thinking, okay. which is essentially taking two things that seem like they're very different and putting mm -hmm. them together so that they create something that's innovative and about how innovation in general is just taking two things that aren't related and bringing them together. So one of my favorite stories from that book is he's talking about going through a book, a guy that was walking through the bookstore and saw a bunch of vampire books on yeah. one table because they were very popular at the time. And the other was best-selling Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, biographies. And so it was, he, so the, the guy looked at them and said, well, what could I do to <laughs> He's into one sort of super book and he came up with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which is a multi-million dollar franchise now. That is so crazy. That is yeah. so crazy. People listening in are, are planning their next trip to the bookstore right now. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's really cool. That's really cool. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm, I think now I kind of understand why, you know, um, you, you know, like synchronicities, mm -hmm. this is very synchronistic because I, like you said, I love talking with, uh, with innovators like that. Like, you know what this, it looks like has nothing to do with this other thing, but when you put them together, it's like, man, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So tell us like, what, what is actually behavioral economics and how can we all use it to improve our lives? So behavioral economics is actually sort of one of those synchronicities, I guess you could say, in which it's basically the combination of regular traditional economics mm -hmm. and psychology. And so what this does and why it came about is because traditional economics realized, you know, that there was a problem in that their models were based on logical people making rational decisions. Mm. And unfortunately, that is not the world that we live in. We live in a world full of humans instead of what have now been termed to be econs as these very logical uh, human-like beings. Mm. And so um, they realized that the models couldn't accurately predict behavior. And so economists and psychologists either started working together or stepping into one another's fields to try and find these core threads, you know, what would be common that we could be using in the way that the brain actually works to be able to then accurately predict behavior and understand how the brain makes decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that's where behavioral economics came around and finding these concepts in the way that all of our brains really as a species that can mm -hmm. work across um, genders across locations that we're all really susceptible to these certain concepts in the way that our brains make decisions in the way we've evolved. And then you can use that in what I do is helping my clients to work that into their businesses and their messaging or pricing or products so that they're able to more accurate, accurately communicate mm -hmm. with the way the brain is going to make a choice. I love that. I love that. And let me just address the um, elephant in the room right here for everybody watching the interview on YouTube. Yes, this is my Christmas tree. And uh, Melina so kindly pointed out, like, you either have a very short tree or you're, you're seated very uh, high up. And I said, no, I'm actually a very tall person. And uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> anyway, so uh, let me know in the comment section how much you love um, the, the tree over here, right? We slave the whole, the whole Saturday uh, prepping it. 
Yeah, but you know, I, I love that you you mentioned like how the brain works. Mm. And in uh, in one of your YouTube videos, I noticed you are giving a talk on the fact that most of our decisions are subconscious, right? We think that we consciously make decisions, but it's actually a lot of um, of the subconscious activity of the brain. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Oh yeah, this and so I always, if I'm doing a presentation on a stage or you know in the podcast, I always want to let people know how that piece of the brain actually works because it helps us to understand how these decisions work. So we all know, we've heard the terms conscious, subconscious, which is why I use those. And we know what subconscious, what our subconscious brain is, but being able to know how much of our decisions are used by it, it's actually the highest study I've seen shows that 99.999% of your brain's processing is done on a subconscious level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the lowest study I've is at 95%. Mm-hmm. So I always just say 99. How do people, how do people come up with these numbers? <laughs> so one of the ways that, um, you know, someone in a book I was reading that was looking at this was saying, um, so the amount of information and data that your subconscious can process, if you were to look at it like a computer and say in bits of information per second, mm-hmm. Uh, is essentially your subconscious can do about 11 million bits of okay. information and it's doing okay. that all the time mm-hmm. and that your conscious brain can do about 40. Again, how do they actually <laughs> measure like 11 billion bits of uh, processing power of, of the subconscious mind? That's crazy to me. Yeah, it's you know, all sorts of electrodes and fun uh, tests and things mm-hmm. like that to be able to look in. Um, so one thing that's done is machines very much like a regular MRI. If you needed mm-hmm. a scan on your arm or something, uh, they use those. It's called an fMRI scan uh, that they would have someone where it's looking at the brain and it can be, you get to see where it's lighting up and what it's mm-hmm. doing when somebody mm-hmm. looks at an advertisement or takes a sip of a soda or something like that. And you can see all the different areas that are lighting up. And it's different when you ask them to think about what they thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what did you think about this? How did this work? And you can actually see the brain sort of lie to itself because the conscious and subconscious don't talk to each other very well uh, as it's trying to reason and understand, which is why if you tell somebody, I'm thinking of this business, would you buy XYZ product? And they say, oh yeah, I'd absolutely buy that. And then they don't. <laughs> it's because they don't know. They, they don't know how their brain is actually processing all of that information and what they would do in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. So how do you actually, actually, before we, before we move on to the next question, that's, it just reminds me of like, this is something that I wrote in my first ever ebook, you know, like I was giving away this free ebook on how people can get better results in their martial arts training. And I was talking about the same concept that your, your conscious mind can process only one thought at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for everybody listening and try to think of Abraham Lincoln and the vampire at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot, you're switching between the images very quickly, but you cannot see the same thing at once. So you're like combining both images into one, but consciously you can only process one image and one, one thought, whereas your subconscious can do all of these millions of things. Like, just like you said, like lot a lot of information so what you want at least in your martial arts training is to move your activity into your subconscious and and move 
allow your body to move by itself unconsciously. And mm -hmm. I'd love to get your insights on how we can better communicate with the subconscious so that we do make better decisions and decisions that do um, um, give us better results, like give us the things that we actually want instead of, uh, you know, just reacting to life. Right. So on a, just a personal, a consumer level, what you would want to be doing is sort of understanding what some of these concepts are and ways that they might be around you that you can, can know you want to take advantage of. So one of the most common examples that people are probably pretty familiar with is scarcity, right? So mm -hmm. when it's limited time only, act now, you think that you can have some sort of control over that um, process on a conscious level, but your subconscious yeah. is like a small child and yes. it's constantly sort of poking at you going, I want that, I want that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we have to act We're right now. Yeah. You know it's not true, but you're still like, oh my God, it's like only five left. Yeah, right. And that's you. So you can see now when you're shopping for airline tickets, let's say, and it'll say there are only two left at this price, or maybe they say there are 40 other people mm -hmm. searching trips to this destination right. right now, which means absolutely nothing. You, you know, know, there are funny. a million. Yeah. You, you know, what's funny, like in the middle of our interview, we're just gonna, I'm gonna, there's like a snippet video of, um, Oh, I'm, I'm offering like a business breakthrough session, right? And then I, at the end, I'm saying only five left. And everybody <laughs> knows it's like, come on, like only five left. And we're talking about it. So guys, get ready for uh, getting pitched on uh, some breakthrough, some business breakthrough and saying, oh yeah, this week I have only five le sessions left, right? <laughs> and it's perfect. It's the, I'm glad we have that nice segue there for you. So that <laughs> I always think about that <laughs> on my podcast and things too, is where, so I'm doing the episode on loss aversion or scarcity. And then I was talking about a workshop I was doing in the same, and there are only two spots two available, spots <laughs> yeah. yes. but it's, but it's true. Our brains react to that and it makes really big difference and also sort of the way things are framed in how they're presented to you and when I'm saying these concepts really I have episodes about each of these where I talk for an entire hour about scarcity entire hour mm -hmm. about framing and priming and loss aversion but so if you're going through a store and they were to show say like ground beef or yogurt or whatever it is mm -hmm. and it's listed at 90% fat free you're much more likely to buy it than if it was listed at 10% fat, even though mm, interesting, it's right. mm -hmm. exactly the same mm -hmm. thing, right? <laughs> the percentages yep. are the same. And it's just because your brain sees it better, where 10% fat sounds gross. Yuck, I don't want that. But yeah, ooh, exactly. Fat -free, that's nice. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're only think of, you're thinking of a blob of fat, like 10% fat, right? So it's like, what 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 do you mean yeah <laughs> if you just wanted to spoon that right into your mouth that sounds delicious yeah. <laughs> and that's even it's more than just food uh doctors that have been shown a new technique perhaps have been the ones that are told that there's an 85 percent success rate are more likely to suggest that to their patients than the ones who are told there's a 15 percent mortality rate yeah that's interesting. Again, it's very, very exactly interesting. The same, but the way you say it can make a really big difference into the way the brain hears it and when it wants to move forward or not. Let, let me just add like a quick side note in terms of scarcity. And, uh, you know, because not everybody listening to the podcast is a marketer like or in sales. And, you know, um, the way that you actually use scarcity, like, for example, when you want to 
you want to have a great relationship, for example, right? You want to come off as being a person who has lots of options, right? So the scarcity is in the fact that you have a lot of options and that person might not get you, right? So um, the, the flip side of that, if you come off as being very needy, then it's like you have no options and there is no scarcity. So you're not going to become a very, you're not going to seem very, very attractive. It's the same as getting a job interview. If you step into that conversation with confidence, with like, I don't care if I don't get this job because there's so many other opportunities. I can find it. I if I don't find it, I'm going to create it. Right. You are more likely to get that job because you cannot split yourself with scarcities because you're only one, right? So you're one person who has many, 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 many options. Mm -hmm. And understanding the demand and the value that you provide is definitely a thing there. That made me think a good friend of mine, her name is Nikki Rausch, and she's a sales expert. And she talks about in business that far too many people um, in the way they put their messaging and they're trying to sell is they approach it like they're calling a dog versus calling a cat. And so the way that you call a dog is with a lot of excitement and, oh, here, boy, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? And they get really excited. They're happy to see you. Whereas if you do that to a cat, it's going to freak out and run away. But yes. with the cat, you have to give just a little bit, something interesting to catch their attention and bring them over to you. And really the subconscious brain, that's, that's really how that works as well. So when you're selling, knowing that even though you have 8,000 offerings and there are all these different ways somebody can work with you and it's so exciting, you want to come on board, that's going to overwhelm somebody where I talk a lot about the small steps. If each advertisement has one thing that you're trying to to do and it can't be here's how you call and here's the email and this is the website and this is where you can do this and you can go to listen to podcasts and do that and that and that because the brain will just get overwhelmed and shut down immediately whereas if you have just the singular call to action with a really powerful visual image because the subconscious is very visual and it's going to put together a lot of the connecting points with visuals that it can't do with words like you were saying about the difference between conscious and subconscious and then there's just the one thing they're supposed to do. And they either click or they don't. And then you move on. Melina, I have never owned a cat. I personally uh, dislike cats. I love dogs. As do I. I support this. <laughs> you know? But you, you, to be honest, you're making me, you're actually making me wonder. You, you left me like with a huge, huge question right here. Because it's not the first time that I hear this, this uh, idea of, you know, when you're calling a cat, a cat is very, very different, but I, I, it makes so much sense. Can you, can you uh, elaborate on that? How do you actually call a cat? A cat? <laughs> I have no idea in that sense. Like, so, um, the, and this is my best Nikki Roush impression, as I've said, right. but you do, you say, here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty, right? It's a little interesting. <laughs> you yeah. maybe you uh, just uh, look at this thing over here. This is exciting, but you want it to just sort of go, what, what is that? What are you doing over there? You can't give everything away. Mm -hmm. You want to create some mystery. So uh, she talks about having this, uh, you know, your here, kitty, kitty statement. So if you're in a networking environment or if somebody says, what are you doing today? Or how are you? And you usually say fine or great you could say, oh, you know, things are awesome. I just sent off the outline for my first online course and I'm really excited about it. And if someone's interested in doing business with you, they would probably say, oh, what's your course about? And then you have the option to answer. And if they say, oh, that's nice and walk away. Interesting. Interesting. That's very, very powerful. So you're creating curiosity 
and you're stimulating curiosity. You're not just giving, um, um, you're not giving the ending or the satisfaction of here's, here's what it is. You're just creating more and more curiosity. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you play with the cat too much, it eventually gets bored and bites you. But if you're like you play with it a bit and then you go away, it's gonna be like, hey, 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 come back. Where right, you, you? want to leave, leave them wanting more for sure. Yeah. That's in the in the way that the subconscious brain works. It is driven by rewards like mm -hmm. dopamine release or other chemicals, and studies have shown that the high amount of dopamine comes in this anticipation of trying to know what's going to come next. You know, if you're playing Candy Crush or whatever, it's, am I going to be able to make it in enough moves? Oh, I'm not sure. You know, that anticipation there is what is building that dopamine release. And the really the second that you've achieved and you know whether you get it or not, you're done or not, that dopamine release stops. So the build of the interest, the curiosity, the anticipation is a reward. It's, a, it's very pleasurable and enjoyable for the brain. It likes that. So with your business where you can keep it with just a little bit of mystery, but enough that the brain gets a lot of small wins, mm -hmm. it, it likes that in order to continue to engage with you. Hey, sorry to interrupt the interview. I'll let you get back to it in a moment. Let me just ask you. Do you want more financial freedom in your business so that you have time for the important things in your life? Would you like to level up your business and become a black belt in business success? Let me help you. I will personally take a look at your business and show you exactly how you can make it more profitable so that you enjoy more financial freedom and more time with your loved ones. Get in touch with me over social media. Links are in the description. Send me a message with the text business breakthrough and we will schedule an appointment and you will get a free coaching session where I teach you exactly how to make your business more profitable without putting in more hours. And this is going to be only for the first five people who get in touch with me this week. So check the description, get in touch with me on social media, send me a message with the text business breakthrough, and let me help you take your business to the next level. I love that so much. And kind of reminds me of these uh, Marvel movies where you have like, you know, at the ending, you have like, I forget the name. Easter egg. <laughs> yeah yeah and you have like a <laughs> snippet of something that that is to come like like the first have you seen the first iron man movie yes yeah right. so they at the very 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 end after the credits where yeah. they do the little bit mm -hmm. exactly the post credit scenes right? right so it's like oh so there's gonna be another one? <gasps> oh my god right and you're like oh when is the trailer coming out and then oh my god you're like when's the movie coming out and mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's, that's and it helps you awful. to feel a little bit smart. You got something that nobody else saw. So yeah. you get to be ahead of the pack people, and you want to share this information that people want. And that is a, a very exciting moment for people. Yeah. And it's addictive. I mean, uh, you, you just sit until the end of all the movies, until the staff just kicks you out and says, look, there's no, and there's no post-credit scenes to this one. You can go, okay, thanks. Right. Well, that's even if you look at the um, the Disney uh, Pixar movies, mm -hmm. they do a really good job of integrating other characters from sometimes movies that hadn't even come out yet into mm -hmm. the scenes from a movie because they're already working on it because they take such a long time. I remember 
at the end of Monsters, Inc., the little girl Boo is grabbing all her toys and showing them to Sully, the big monster. And she picks up, there's the ball, like the Pixar ball. She picks up a Jesse, I think, or it might be a, a Woody from Toy Story, but it's mm -hmm. a you know, same that's like, look at this, look at this. And a Nemo, she has a Nemo fish. And it's well before Nemo even came around. That is so but, interesting. Yeah, so if you go back and watch those now, which is the benefit of having small kids, is that you go, oh, weird, I don't think that movie had even come out yet. Definitely, definitely. People are, people are going to be searching for the post-credits scene after uh, listening to this interview. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yes. Awesome. What would you say, um, you know, like knowing, knowing that the conscious brain works in a way and uh, the subconscious perceives information differently, how is that important and how can we use that information in, in our day-to-day -day lives to further benefit our, our um, growth, let's say? Uh, for personal growth? Personal growth, yeah. Would be to look at trying to make, um, get your subconscious to work a little bit more, I guess, to make things that are in your subconscious processing, trying to bring them into your conscious awareness mm -hmm. because your brain's really lazy. It likes to rely on these rules of thumb to make decisions. And so if you think about, for example, the process of driving a car. So when you learned to drive a car, it was very cumbersome. You know, you're trying to remember where your hands go, where are the mirrors, where am I looking, where's all this stuff. And now it's very easy, presumably. And so you're able to just, you get in the car, you start the engine, you get moving, you don't even have to think about anything until maybe you're between a, a semi-truck and a guardrail, or it's raining really hard, and you're having to focus again. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you were learning to do something that's using your conscious brain because you're really having to focus on what it is that you're doing and you're still doing all those things when you drive a car, but your brain has rules for how that works. And it's now part of the subconscious's, uh, this is what we do. This is how we drive a car. It just knows and predicts behavior that way. And so then if you were to use the same route to work every day, you maybe don't realize that you use the same hand to brush your hair or the way that you brush your teeth, you usually start the same way. And if you drink the same thing every morning and you leave it exactly the same time and you put on the same sock first and the way you tie your shoes, you're letting everything be in this sort of shut down my brain's doing all these random things it already knows mm -hmm. rules for. Whereas if you take a different route to work or instead of having coffee in the morning, have orange juice or um, brush your teeth with your other hand. Or for mm -hmm. ladies, I always make the joke of putting on your makeup with your left hand. If you're right-handed, think about how long that would take. Uh, and it might be a really difficult, weird looking process. So practice on a weekend or something. But that helps to make your brain think of things a little bit differently and just really asking questions instead of looking for answers. So really good questions are often the the path to that, you know, combinatorial mm -hmm. thinking I was talking about and sort of the why not. We we've all been trained to look for answers as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. but sometimes a really solid good interesting question can drive a lot more action than the, you know, the right answer to the wrong question is not going to help anybody. That's, that's amazing. You know, and I have like, uh, it reminds me of Anthony Robbins. Uh, 
you know, his, his programs. So, but can you give us a few examples of wrong questions and how we can replace those with better questions? Hmm. So I think it has to do with, um, uh, so there was an example I remember reading about, and it might've been in a more beautiful question too, actually, but mm -hmm. the, he's talking about um, the, a company that uh, they came out with blue striped soap, uh, right. coast or, or ivory snow, whatever. So they had their soap. Or, and then it was uh, the new company wanted to be able to compete with it. And they said, how can we come up with our own blue stripe soap? Because that was what this other company had. And so they're all focusing on how can we make a better blue stripe soap? Whereas if you take a step back, really the customer, does the customer actually care? Are you buying this soap because it has a blue stripe on it or is it for some other reason? So it's then the question becomes, how can we make a more refreshing soap of our own? How can we make this new mm -hmm. thing? So by taking a step back, you're able to create these new questions. So one of the things that I do trainings and workshops with people on is switching from brainstorming, which is taking you know, a question that you have that may or may not be on point and mm -hmm. coming up with as many answers as you can. Mm -hmm. If instead you do question storming instead of brainstorming, so you would start with a statement, potentially something you think to be true, that's sort of this known entity. Like um, people don't know about how martial arts connects to business or something. And mm. then you'd say, well, what if they did know? How could we let them know? Why don't they know? Do they not want to know? You know, mm. then you have all these questions that you start to ask. You don't have the burden of knowing what the answer is going to be. And you can find through that process really the best question to then pursue and try to find answers to. Oh, that's so powerful. I love that so much. Love mm -hmm. that so much. Awesome. <laughs> Guys, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. Try it, you know, try it like for some, some like one of your challenges uh, that you're facing right now. Instead of trying to find the answer, maybe just look at some different questions that you might ask yourself uh, regarding that specific topic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Open up your horizons a little bit. And the nice thing about asking questions, like I said, is that you're not required to come up with the answer. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, a really big question. So that's, like I said, that book, A More Beautiful Question is absolutely one of my favorites. And that he talks about that. I also mm -hmm. have an episode of the podcast called Questions or Answers, where I dig into that a little bit more. It's episode that. four. I love that. I love that. And you know, something that we say in, uh, in a Wing Chun training, Wing Chun is a martial art that I teach. Um, uh, we say we never answer the question. We always ask the question mm -hmm. like, um, because physically when you, when you do that, when you ask a question with your body, for example, you're like, you're being very receptive. Like, what are you going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm going to respond according to what you're going to, you're going to show me how I need to hit you, how I need to react, but I cannot do that if I don't ask the question first. Right. If I'm right. the one talking, then I, I, I cannot find the best way to hit you and defend myself effectively, right? Mm -hmm. So you always want to be asking the question with your body, with your whole um, conscious and subconscious, and you want to get into that habit of doing so in your martial arts training. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you start to ask more questions of the people around you. Instead of you being the one talking in, in the room, you're going to be the one asking 
most of the questions in the room. And what, what that leads to is people liking you more. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Like, yes, people love to talk about themselves. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> have, have you read um, How to Influence Friends and uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie? Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great book, right? And I, I, was, I was sharing it with my students, like when he was at the party and he was asking this lady so many questions and just like, yeah, he hadn't talked about himself at all, right? And when the lady introduced him to her friends, she said, uh, meet Mr. Carnegie, I, who is probably the most brilliant and smartest man that I ever met. He didn't say anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> she was just talking about herself over and over, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> when, yeah, you, actually, you actually become the smartest person in the room because you find out more things. Mm-hmm. Right. And just the interesting little tidbits that you can remember being able to be an engaged listener with people yeah. is hugely impactful in business. Yes. And to where if you know, if when I hear people speaking or when I go to networking events, I'm usually taking notes mm-hmm. on, oh, this person said that they love this movie or this is their favorite song or whatever it is. And this is the saying they have, or they oh, they sang as a kid too, or whatever, you know, I'm making notes on things that I can remember and to be able to, in a, you know, not creepy way, but to have a conversation with them later of uh, things that I know would be of interest to them Mm -hmm. and something that they would be comfortable talking about. So that's, Mm -hmm. you want to also be helping people to be at ease. That helps them to like you more as well in the way that the, you know, the subconscious wants to be understood. And it's like so rare people actually paying attention to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, people are just thinking of the next thing that they're going to say while you're talking. Yes. <laughs> and to have somebody who says, oh, well, you know, you said this, like, you really like the, like, you really like Iron Man or something like that. Oh my God, somebody <laughs> actually remember it. Right. Well, I'm doing those really good open-ended follow-up questions. So yes. you can get to that power of questioning comes in conversations as well to where, like you said, you talked about a, a, you know, a form of martial arts and where I could say, Oh, that's really interesting. I haven't heard of that before. Can you tell me more? How'd you get into that? Can you tell me more about that? You know, then they go, Oh yeah, of course I can. I can talk about this all day. Right. Yeah. And you feel so (laughs) special. So, mm -hmm. so great about yourself. Right. Absolutely. And that's uh, it builds an affinity and you have to be genuinely interest i mean there's some genuine interest but that's a really good way for introverts to be able to communicate and be in large you know environments as well where if you're taking the stress off of yourself of you're not having to create all of this conversation and content and you know that your mission is to get to those in-depth one-on-one conversations that you really like and just ask a lot of thoughtful questions that can make networking a lot more comfortable for an introvert where maybe your goal is to have one or two really great conversations even in a room of 100 or 500 people it doesn't matter and that could be more valuable in many ways than have like throwing your card at you know everybody in the room Mm -hmm. where really making those relationships and being of service to people is much more valuable in business Uh, you're someone people will remember in a positive way yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that was a huge turning point for me. I mean, most people would never uh, guess, but I am a natural introvert, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, just doing exactly what you shared right now, just asking more questions, just 
relieves me of my anxiety when I was in, in large, you know, with, with groups of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. super valuable information. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I use this in my approach on social media and things as well. So in uh, the world of, so reciprocity is this gift giving this is the perfect season for it. And I just did an episode on this, but our brains overvalue gifts that are given. So when giving a mint after dinner with the check, uh, the single mint tips went up 3%. When you did two mints, they went up, I think 14%. And when you had just a little bit of a, you know, here's a mint. And then, you know, for you nice people, here's an extra mint. Tips went up 23 or 26% over not giving a mint. And obviously the mints are worth maybe a penny, you know, so it's a huge benefit because you're brain wants to give back for gifts and really asking questions, showing interest in somebody that is um, a gift that you're giving them. And in social media and in the way that I interact with people when they reach out, like how you did, right? We had never met. I wasn't in the group where someone recommended me and you sent, I think, a Facebook, a friend request and just a, a message, you know, and then said, Hey, tell me, Hi, nice to meet you. How'd you hear about me? Let's let's talk about more. Why are you here? And genuine curiosity and interest. And I do that where I get emails from people and random interactions on social media just to, you know, be be a genuinely nice uh, person and, you know, give that that yeah. gift back can make a difference. It matters a lot. It matters a lot. And, you know, and for the rest of the, uh, uh, what is it, 70, 77%, you know, some people will be like, what, you're giving me an extra mint? Is, is my breath that bad? Come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, they just want you to be happy. Give the mint to somebody else. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you know that my dad actually does that consistently, you know, in his business uh, because he, he makes like uh, uh, building blocks. Right, and oh. sometimes some of the blocks get chipped, and mm-hmm. you can only use like the half of the block. But um, people use them for corners when they're building their houses. So the, it's like he cannot sell them because they're chipped, right? Mm-hmm. So he gives he gives them away to people, awesome. and and right. people are so happy. And he always talks about it. Like every time I want to give something extra to people, and uh, people talk about it, and you know he's been in business a long time because of it, and it, it really really does matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, and that is a combination both of reciprocity, but it's also scarcity because this is the only one like it. There are only a few of these chipped blocks that are available. They don't sell corner pieces. You have one of the only ones. You can only build this thing and nobody else can. You know, your brain is looking at all these other positive associations yes. with that item. It yes. values it much higher. Yes, yes, absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> Well, yeah, if we are talking about questions, let me know. Or actually, uh, what would be one question that you would love to ask um, our audience? Oh, hmm. That's a good Make question. it a good one. <laughs> Think right now. <laughs> you will have a question for us. Um, you know, the question that I always kind of, you know, it's always this, what do you want to know about behavioral economics is something that I always find to be fascinating because the field is so new, there isn't a lot of, um, 
practical application. So a lot of what I do is creating that. And I get questions on my, you know, Facebook or Instagram all the time where people will say, here's an example of this. What do you think of that? <laughs> how would you, what's this applying to? How does this work? I get a lot of pricing questions and things like that. So if there's anything that you would say as an advertisement you've seen or a part where you have problems in your business and you would like some help, um, just, or something you would like an episode on that that's always something that I'm interested in. And mm -hmm. then I can just go research it and read all the papers and things and <laughs> you don't have to. And then you can just hear sort of the boiled down, uh, user-friendly version instead of one where it's all about standard deviation and variance and boring things. That's interesting. That's interesting. So the question would be, uh, what is one topic related to behavioral economics they, they would like to learn more about? Um, is, is, uh, that's, did I understand I think that correctly? For anybody who actually knows about behavioral economics, there's that. But I guess there's also like in your business or mm -hmm. in life, you know, how could behavioral economics apply to something or maybe something more about how the brain works? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious mm -hmm. about any of that. So I'm doing a series right now on the five senses. And mm -hmm. so I've done sight and I just recorded the episode on smell and how smell impacts businesses, even if you're not a physical location and you don't sell food. <laughs> and oh, so how that works. Interesting. So, yeah. How, how would this smell um, affect your online business? So the thing about smell is, and okay, I'm sorry, I'm so distracted by the light that's coming in from my window that I have these like dots on my face. So now I've called attention to it as if you see me moving like this. You <laughs> know what? It's actually my a great. That I kind of, there's no getting away from it. It's just very strange. So, okay. Yeah, guys, if, it's, it. if you're listening to the podcast, you have to go to YouTube and uh, watch the video. <laughs> it's actually a great visual uh, stimulant. Like, people pay attention because of this. So oh, one. good. All right. Well, focus right here on my face where this weird dot's moving around. <laughs> so, um, Oh, so with this, with smell, so our sense of smell is actually tied directly to, has a real direct channel to the brain in a way that our other senses don't have in the same way. And it's tied to your fight or flight response and directly connected to memories and emotions. And so what that means is that this is why if you were to smell, let's say it's cinnamon or baking bread or rose petals and that reminds you of your grandmother's house when you were a child or you can and you kind of get transported to whatever that thing is uh -huh. um so you can also see an image of something if it's a very strong um a sense of something that you really know the smell of mm -hmm. like lemons right so if you see someone sniff a lemon and they kind of go it, it mm -hmm. triggers these mirror neurons or someone smelling bread or whatever it is, but seeing an item can actually trigger your smell and then memory response. So using lemons in your advertisement might make people think sour would be an association that could come up. It can also have these memories of uh, summertime when you were a kid and you were drinking lemonade, or it could be about cleaning and uh, that those types of products or the mm -hmm. squirting it on seafood or into a water, you know, that that all is triggered by our sense of smell and these memories and emotions that developed in childhood for the most part. Right. And right. it can impact your brand if you put it in your messaging. And so it's really important to know how all of those things can impact uh, 
the way somebody's gonna see and that's probably that's probably why people get the sense of smoked pine when uh, they watch my videos because <laughs> they're fire right <laughs> I, I thought it was something about your christmas tree your christmas tree had caught fire is that was, what you're smelling while you're sitting there yeah i know just just like corny joke thailand uh, <laughs> i'm all about that <laughs> Yeah, and, and it makes a lot of sense. So if you're inducing sometimes, like maybe seeing a video of warm bread, that would definitely induce the smell of... Or sizzling bacon or steak. Yeah, right? yeah. And so you can yeah, almost yeah. feel your mouth kind of, it triggers a mouth-watering response and it's because smell and taste are very closely linked. Um, but it's the smell is what allows you to have full flavor in a way that taste actually doesn't. Mm, very interesting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. This was very insightful. I'm very happy <laughs> I reached out. Me too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Guys, go ahead and uh, check out Melina's podcast. Definitely subscribe to the show. Um, it's called the Brainy Business Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Stitch. I think Google Podcasts everywhere, right? Yes, yes, it's everywhere. And you can either search The Brainy Business or you could search Behavioral Economics. If you remember that, it should be the first thing that comes up. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, definitely check out Melina's website. Yeah. And right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere as either, you know, the website is thebrainybusiness.com, just the same. And on social media, you can find me as the brainy biz, B-I-Z. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually my, the extension to my website because uh, bogdanroshu.com was taken. <gasps> so I... <laughs> <laughs> I chose like dot biz, B-I-Z. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Melina, thank you so much for um, setting uh, time aside to uh, get in touch with us and, and share uh, your wisdom. Um, I, it, it was very powerful and very insightful for me. And yeah, guys, go ahead and connect with uh, Melina and I'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And if you're ready for more financial freedom, for more time to spend with your loved ones or doing what you're really, really, really passionate about, send me a message over social media, connect with me, links are in the description, and I will give you a free business breakthrough session where I will show you exactly how you can make your business more profitable so that you live a happy and fulfilled life with your loved ones. I'll see you soon.